Please listen carefully. So, um, I don't know. Let's talk. Let's yeah. catch up. What have you been up to? Uh, I've just been traveling a lot and um, raising money and uh, spreading awareness, doing talks over here and there and stuff. So, good. Where has Where is the craziest place you've traveled to? Uh, I went to France twice this year, and then I went to Italy. The, but the craziest place the, that I thought was, like, the coolest was um, a few years ago, actually. I went to uh, Nova Scotia mm-hmm. to a fundraiser up there, and um, the, the family that I visited was actually a First Nations family. Okay. And um, we... we they had like this Indian sweat lodge down by the lake, and it was crazy, man. It was so like they invited me, and I was so honored to be able to partake. But you get it, like we we roll up, and there's like a fire going, right? And there's these hot stones in the. They built the fire around these stones, right? And like we get there, and they break the fire down and and shovel the stones into like this little tiny hut. It's basically like an oven. <laughs> You're basically right? sitting in an oven. And and then we get in there. It's like 400 degrees. I don't know how, <laughs> how hot it was in there. but um, So it's this whole ceremony. Anyway, um, it, was, it was really touching and emotional and, um, to be there. Well, anyway, that's a random story. Where have you, you, you start with where have you been and now... Yeah, but... Uh, so that that was really cool to uh, experience that. So this so it's a ceremony. So you're in there, and are they uh, are they like saying like chants or like? Yeah, no. So you go in there. There's like ten guys, and we're all like hunched over because it's this tiny little like oven that you have to like crawl into. Right. Um, and it's like this hut that's made out of uh, bent branches with like. Really heavy blankets over the top of it. So, um, and then so you get in, and it's so hot that like if you have any exposed skin, it it literally cooks. Okay, so so there's like you have like towels over your shoulders and Uh, one over your legs too, and like if if there's any if like the towel shifts or something and there's any exposed skin, like you can immediately feel it because it starts burning. Oh my god! And you have to breathe only through your nose because it's too hot for your lungs and like, <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. And um, but they did like like there's a prayer round where everyone like goes around like says a prayer, and there's a there's like a Thanksgiving round. Where everyone gets around, like says what they're thanks for. There was okay. a singing round where they had this certain song, and then there was one more, and I forget what it was, but it was really cool because, like, the prayer, like, I, I like understand what prayer is more now because it was all the it was only men. It was all the old the older men, like the leaders of their community, like 
communicating to each other through prayer. Right. Like they would say like they would pray for like their their grandmother or something. She's going through a tough time. But basically what that was saying is to you, like, hey, my mom my grandmother's going through a tough time. Like I want your support, basically. You know, and like so it was just neat to like see that dynamic and like be a part of it. So that's really cool. Yeah. And you were there to speak in the first place? Yeah, they had a fundraiser. Um, their community came together. They had like this gala with like a sound auction and Gotcha. I spoke on stage and they raised like ten thousand bucks. Wow. Um yeah, it was really cool. So when you um started working, um were you always a natural public speaker I always liked it I always liked being in front of the crowd and I always saw it as an advantage because no one wants to do it nobody wants to be in front of the crowd you know and so I'm like all right this this gives me some one up on everyone right yeah if I can if I can be good at this right or shoot I feel like sometimes I feel like you don't even have to be good. To, you don't even have to be good. You just have to make it look like you're good at it, or yeah. like that you're confident. Yeah. You know, and like it's not what you say; it's how you say it. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And the one, the one main thing I know of public speaking is that if I screw up, I'm the only one that knows. And so, if my audience doesn't see that then like it doesn't matter right and so that's one of the things that makes me um confident up there is that if i screw up it's only me and also like every single time i talk there's something like like 10 minutes after my after my speech i'll be like shoot i didn't say this or that or whatever and and I just realized that happens every time, <clears throat> and there's always a next opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so each time, I just try to uh, move the ball forward. I mean, I don't try and score a touchdown every time. Just try and get some information out there. Um, and it, what I've learned is it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter if they remember what you said. Mm-hmm. As long as they remember how you made them feel. Got it. And That's so, a uh, Maya Angelou quote. Right? Is it? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You yeah, didn't know I that? Got, I, I think I've looked it up before. It must have come across your yeah, mind. Yeah, I, it must have. It must have been implanted in my mind. Or yeah. you are secretly a reincarnation Channeling. of Maya Angelou. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah, she has a quote. It's like, um, people will forget uh, what you say. People will forget what you did, but they will always remember how you make them feel. There you go. So yeah, yeah. That's um. So yeah, that's my philosophy on public speaking. Well, my my borrowed philosophy on public speaking. You're, apparently, yeah. But you you thought it was yours. <laughs> Look, I'm just making sure that we don't have any like <laughs> trademark or copyright you yeah, know, yeah. infringement here. Yeah. Uh, so when you go into to a speech, you you have a loose sense of what you want to talk about, but you don't have it scripted out. I, you know what, I'm way better scripted. Like, I have one one speech. If anyone wants to see it, they just look for my TED Talk online. Right. 
you know, I've given that speech like a hundred times, and most of my talks are some version of that talk, like, gotcha. and, and there's, you know, <clears throat> I'll add things to like tailor to the audience to like make it more um, personal for them. But, um, you know, like, that's my story. Right. And everything starts from there, you know? Gotcha. So, so if someone was looking for for you online or the TED Talk, what would they, what should they type in? They just type in my name and TED. It was at TEDx Phoenixville. Right. So, um, yeah. So since we didn't really officially introduce you, so what is your name and how would you introduce yourself to someone who doesn't know you? So, um, my name's Kyle Bryant, and um, I am the uh, Ride Ataxia uh, Director at the Friedrichs Ataxia Research Alliance. I have a disease called Friedrichs Ataxia, and it's a neuromuscular disease that affects all balance and coordination. Um, it also has side effects such as uh Speech pro speech difficulties, hearing, vision, scoliosis, diabetes, and life-shortening heart complications. Um, there is no treatment or cure. And as and you know, as a member of the FA community and on staff at FARA, you know that's what we're working to change. We're working to find a cure for FA. Um, and you know, really, like. For me personally, um, you know, I think I'm just trying to do something big with my life. And, um, I mean, aren't we all, I guess, right? And something important, Some people right? Are. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, I mean, obviously to me, this, a cure for a fate is front and center. It's the biggest thing. Um my dream, I think, is to, um, is that as a community, we, we find a cure. And you know what? You're part of the FA community, Chris. Um, and my dream is to find a cure and then do something else, you know. Move on. I'm not sure bigger what, and better. Yeah. Yeah. So. Let's just find the cure and then you can move on to. <laughs> and not to say that it's a small thing. Um, because, oh, we can just do that and then move on, but, no. you know, you know what I mean. Of course not. Yeah. So, um, uh, when you do meet someone new, do you, do you, because you must know that if, if you meet someone that they're going to wonder, like, why you're in a wheelchair or, like, they're going to have questions in their head that they may or may not think are appropriate to ask. So do you just come out and say, hey... I'm Kyle. Oh, and I I have Friedrich's ataxia. Um, no, you like like if I if I'm at like randomly, I kind of try not to make that the first thing people know about me. I mean, mm -hmm. and it's sometimes it's a little hard to not because the first thing people notice is the wheelchair right. obvious you know right. it's the biggest difference between me and most of the people like when i come to the gym everybody's standing around right and um you know i'm not and so 
sometimes I find it easier just to get that out of the way. Like, here, this is what it is, mm -hmm. and now let's move on. Let's do, right. do a workout. Let's connect on a deeper level than that, you know? Right. And, um, but, so, you know, I try to not make it the first thing people know, but sometimes it's easier just to get it out of the way. Got it. Got it. Case-by-case case scenario. Yeah, and it's, you know... It's the biggest focus of my life is, you know, raising money and raising awareness and, um, you know, representing the FA community and the, and the community of people with disabilities. And so, you know, I feel an obligation to, like, represent that as well. You right. Know, so. Well, because unlike a lot of folks with FA your job is directly tied to your condition, right? Like your yeah, career, it, right? Oh, now. yeah, big time, yeah. And, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for that um, because it's the most meaningful thing that I could do with my time, you know? Mm -hmm. I worked as an engineer. I got a degree in civil engineering, I worked as a project engineer out of college for like five years, mm -hmm. and um, it just, I was in a cubicle every day, and like, it was, didn't feel meaningful, you know, and now I get to like, you know, I get to ride my trike and like, write blogs and, you know, uh, hang out with people for a living, and like, show, try to live a life that, um is an example of, like, reaching farther to, like, something bigger. Right. And, like, how awesome is that? I feel so grateful that I get to do that. Like, that's that's what my job is almost, you know? Yeah. So. Talk about your uh, your upbringing. So you were an engineer, but even before that, like, where did you grow up? Um, what kind of kid were you? Like, you know, what's, your, what's the background um, story? You know... My family was always really active and camping and hiking and mountain biking and, you know, fishing and hunting and all that stuff. Um, and so, you know, a lot of that stuff dominated my childhood and my upbringing. And, you know, we're, we were always going to, like, soccer practice, baseball, football, or not football as much, but um, basketball, whatever. But, um... So, you know, just a really active childhood and always had really great friends, good community, grew up in a uh, suburb in California. I mean, I would almost, it was like on the edge of rural, um, you know, in, in Northern California in the foothills and um, loved it. You know, we, uh, we had a a uh, ski boat, we went, you know, skiing. My parents lived near this little lake up in the foothills. And um, so, you know, I got, I have a brother, older brother, two years older. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's an amazing guy. My sister-in-law is amazing. I got a niece and nephew. And so, just, Fun. yeah. Good, what, good. what about you? Like, did you, and no, I mean, you grew up playing all these sports and then um is it was it baseball 
that you were kind of focused on? Yeah, good memory. I, uh, you know, in baseball, my throws were going off target. My, my, uh, I was unable to run down a fly ball in the outfield, and that's mm. kind of how we started noticing FA. I think that if I wasn't involved in sports, if I wasn't demanding that kind of those skills and and um, ability from my body, then I might not have. We might not have known about FA for a few more years. You know. Got it. Interesting. Well, because so, baseball is such a, it requires such precision. Exactly. Right. Um, that's interesting. So you caught it. Uh, when were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed at age seventeen. Um, we it took a year to get a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when we were diagnosed, when I, well, I say we because really it's my whole family. When somebody with FA is diagnosed, it doesn't just affect them. It affects Mm -hmm. the whole family, the whole community, you know, everyone around them. So, um, you know, when we were diagnosed, um, we, we looked back and I mean, as, as far as like when I was, real small. My mom said she couldn't let me go out outside without shoes on because I would inevitably stub my toe. You know, <laughs> and we're like, oh maybe like I really do think that was okay. Part of it anyway. Yeah. I mean part of it is just being a little kid, but um right. right. So, you know, and like <clears throat> whatever, when I'm ten, like I'm having trouble carrying a glass of water in the living room, you know. Um, I never was the most skilled or coordinated person on the, on the, you know, the sports field or whatever. Um, Man, in in high school, I loved the golf. And I'm sorry, but I had a good swing, man. My (laughs) swing was, I love it. And... I can still feel how it feels to like make a good swing. It's just my body just won't do it. Yeah. Um, and so, so you know, those are some things that that you gotta kind of cope with. And um, you know, everyone's li- life changes, right? I mean, everyone goes through that, and you have these. Uh, vision, this vision in your head of the life that you hope and at some point everyone goes through it at some point that vision is not how it plays out mm-hmm. and that's that's part of life right and um, so partly I, I don't see that I am experiencing like partly I, I feel like I'm experiencing a similar thing to everyone, just in a different way, and maybe more or less. Yeah, I I hate comparing, you know, whether somebody's suffering more or less than somebody else. That I don't think that's a worth it to even. But um, so I kind of try and keep it in perspective. Like everyone, at some point, is going through a similar thing. You know, like like this or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, the loss of a family member or, you know, an illness or um, whatever it is. I think there's a lot of tough situations that, that everyone goes through. So, so you have a podcast uh, with a friend of yours. 
and it's called Two Disabled Dudes, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So we uh, we've got twenty. Our twenty sixth episode will be out, um, and um, so I don't know when you awesome. when you publish. When is this going to be published? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> Could, maybe next nice. week. Nice. Yeah, probably next week. Yeah, so our 26th episode is out <laughs> right now. The Two Disabled Dudes podcast. I uh, I recorded with a friend of mine. He lives in California. Right. You know, I live out here um, in Pennsylvania. And uh, so we publish once every two weeks. Got it. And um, we talk to different people a lot. Yeah, Obviously, so it's coming up on a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah so awesome. we, I think we started December twelfth was our first episode. So cool. Um, so yeah, and um, um, we, you know, we talk to different people in the disability community. Like we talked to this guy who's a Paralympic gold medalist in swimming. Mm-hmm. We talked to a guy who is he's missing a leg. He has a. a uh, a disease that he was born with that um, didn't allow his limbs to uh, fully develop, um, but he's he was like an amazing Division One athlete, uh, tennis player, mm-hmm. who competed against like all able-bodied and like kicked butt, you know. And um, now he's a uh, professional speaker, you know. And we've we've. Interviewed a lot of people in the in the uh, rare disease community. Yeah, I mean that just because that's where we are. Mm-hmm. You know that's who we know and what's important to us. Um, but um, you know we're still uh, honing in on our voice and um, you know branching out a little bit and trying to find, you know, our, our niche and stuff, but we've got, uh, we have a lot of fun doing it and we just kind of make fun of each other. And yeah, you guys are so funny. It's like, (laughs) I, uh, so I'll be, I'll be listening to you guys, um, either in the car or, um, like in a coffee shop and like, I will laugh out loud. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's really awkward if I'm in public. Yeah, it. everybody's like, what's up with that guy? <clears throat> but you guys are just, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's like dry humor or, it's hard to put my finger on like why you guys are so funny, but it's like. Yeah, no, I I don't think it's dry. <laughs> it's just like, Sean just says really weird stuff all the time. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. yeah, so he's just, yeah, it's. Well, okay, so so the reason I even bring it up is because I think one of your first episodes, you were you guys were talking about um, just just this idea of like being positive or, or like you know because I think anybody could um, could agree that like you would have every reason to be like pissed or you know uh, angry about your situation or whatever the case may be. So. Like, do you feel like growing up or, like, as a person, like, you were always this positive uh, or, you know, optimistic? Or is it that the condition, that having FA, you know, made you appreciate the little, like, how did this, 
I know. think I think my mom never had any patience or tolerance for being negative or down on yourself um, for feeling bad for yourself. Yeah, feel yeah. like like she just she kind of didn't take much crap from me and my brother. <laughs> and so um you know there was a little bit of tough love just like get over it like <laughs> let's go move on to the next thing stop being so down on yourself kind of kind of feeling i don't know that like she ever put words behind it maybe she did but you know i think that was, that's just kind of her philosophy and um you know i i feel like that has a really <clears throat> uh formed a lot of my views on my situation because I'm like all right I can't do this I can't do that but here's this whole world of different things that I might not have thought of before I might not have envisioned but mm-hmm. I mean there's this other direction we can go and it's just amazing you know what Maybe even more amazing than the the vision because right we're we're so confined by our thoughts, um, and sometimes our thoughts can narrow our vision. Um, but maybe when something happens in our life that uh, that forces us to think differently, right? Then it opens up our mind way more, right? right. And um, so I think that you know zero tolerance for feeling down and feeling sorry for yourself was a big part of you yeah. know my philosophy that's cool can you tell the story of um i don't i forget where you were but the um the taxi driver <laughs> because look i i want you to tell the story because anyone else in that situation where and you can tell the story but like I would have been livid, and I, there there would have been so many expletives and reasons to be just yeah pissed at the world. Can you can you tell that story? Yeah. Um, so um, I, you know, I was going to visit friends in Washington D.C., and I get I took the train down, and get to the train station, and usually I call an Uber, mm-hmm. but that day like there was a cab like just sitting right there, like, basically calling to me, like, waiting for me. Mm-hmm. The, um, so there's those attendants that, like, help you get in a cab, right? Right. So this guy starts helping me get in the cab, <clears throat> and the driver didn't get out. He didn't, he hardly even, like, like, acknowledged that I was in this, this other guy, this attendant guy that was helping me in, he's like taking my chair apart and like mm-hmm. helping me fit it in stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I didn't, I didn't really think anything. I thought it was kind of weird that the guy didn't really give him the time of day. But anyway, I finally got in the cab and um, I'm like, all right, 26th Street or something like that. Mm-hmm. 1006th Street, I think, was the address. So, um, the guy's like, all right, and he starts driving, and I'm like on Instagram or like Twitter, or whatever, mm-hmm. during the whole ride, and and all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm looking down, I'm not looking around at all. We're here. He's like, here it is. And I look around, and it's like all these like broken down buildings. Like this is <laughs> definitely not, not the place. Definitely not the place I want to be. <laughs> 
And so he's like, we're here. I'm like, uh, no, I don't think that. And in Washington, D.C., they're like, there's like 6th Street Southwest, 6th Street Northwest. Northwest. Like, right, right. You know, yep. so yep. it definitely was not the right place. And the guy was like, no, this is what you said. And it was clear that he was, I was like trying to tell him, I was trying to show him my phone and be like, look, no, this is where I'm going to be. Not in the, he wasn't having it. Right. And he didn't speak hardly any English. Mm-hmm. Part of me thinks that um, he was pretending a little, like, come on, like, I bet he could yeah, communicate it, a little better than he let on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, so, he pulls my chair out of the back and, like, sets it on the ground. And, like, at this point, Usually people are like, all right, how do I put this together? How can I help you, right? Yeah, how can like, I open right. up this chair? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How can we get you in this chair and on your way? I'm... So, oh, well, that was after the, I gave up and I was like, all right, this guy does not want to communicate. I'll just get out and, like, find another way to get there. So, anyway, he puts the chair on the ground. And then um, it was clear that he was not interested in helping at all. So he like starts walking around the and gets back in and like I'm just like uh okay I'll figure this out and I just sit down on the ground <laughs> and close the door and he takes off and so I'm sitting there in the middle of Washington D.C. I have no I don't I'm not where I want to be. You're in this and rundown neighborhood. Rundown neighborhood. You're not even in your chair. Not even on the curb like like <laughs> in like the parking spot area of the street. My chair is taken apart, so I'm like, all right, I know how to do this. So I put it back together, I get in my chair, and, like, get on the sidewalk. I'm like, all right, centering yourself, let's let's figure this out. So then I just call an Uber, and, um, you know, it took, like, three minutes. The guy was super nice, helped me with everything. I had a really nice conversation, um... You know, and and you took me to where I need to go, but it was just, it was a crazy situation. I wish I had taken a selfie or something because it was just me sitting there on the side of the road. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was just really crazy. But, um, so yeah, that, that's probably the worst of the worst that as far as, you know, somebody treating me, but like I said, like, in those situations, like, I think, so one of, one of the things when you have a disability is, like, it's super awkward for everyone in the situation, but, like, asking for help mm-hmm. is a really hard thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, when somebody offers and you decline help and they get all offended because you decline, like, all this stuff, but part of that is that I never want to be in a situation where I can't get myself out. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's probably those situations out there, but I'd like to think that I can handle anything, right? right? And so a lot of it is like if someone offers help and I'm like, no, I want to try and do this on my own, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a tough situation because they get offended and whatever, but I don't know, maybe... Does that does that thought even connect? Because well, I think I think a lot of I think 
disability or not, I think people have a mm-hmm. hard time asking for help. Yeah, that's that's a good call. Right. Like, that's just human. To me, that's kind of human nature. Like, no, I, I got this. I can do this. Yeah. So, like, since I've been, like, okay, for example, in CrossFit, like, yeah. I do a lot of stuff on the ground, right? Right. You know, I know the movement I need to do to get myself back in my chair. Mm-hmm. And that's for, because of CrossFit, from doing push-ups and whatever. And, like, I totally use that skill in the Washington, D.C. that was that day, <laughs> trying to get back in my chair, you know? And so, you know, when, when I don't ask for help, sometimes it's because I'm trying to develop a skill or, like, prove to myself that I can get out of whatever situation, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want someone to pick me up and put me back in my chair because, you know what, I need to figure out how to, get, how to do it, you right. know? So, right. yeah. How did but, you find CrossFit? Um, so, I actually, my friend with the FA turned me on to it, um... He was trying to to figure out how to get in, find a gym in his area, and I'm like, "Wow, I'm gonna look at this." And I looked online. I also, at the very same time, I had another friend who does not have FA, but he he was doing CrossFit for like six months or something, and I saw him online, and like, it was a total body transformation, mm-hmm. and he was just like really happy and positive about it obviously you know and so I was like whoa that's crazy and um so you know those two things led me to just search online and I found CrossFit KOP which is right by where I used to live mm-hmm. and uh and so I went in and came went in there so and yeah. then, so that night that I went in we did the baseline watt yeah and um that was the wad we did here today that's right so 500 meter row 40 air squats 30 setups 20 push-ups yeah pull-ups yeah yeah and so that that day like i was telling you earlier uh, my heart rate went up (laughs) i mean probably higher than it's ever been (laughs) and it stayed up till like three in the morning you couldn't get to sleep i was like you know and all right because you probably came in at night Right, you probably yeah, probably like, like a, seven o'clock right, or something. Like a later workout, yeah, yeah. And I heard you talking to somebody earlier today. You're like, some people are like, yeah, bring it on, this is awesome. And some yeah. people are like, no, that's way too much for me. <laughs> but it the for me it was like that's exactly what I wanted. I mm-hmm. wanted to like be, you know, Amy calls it. What sizzling bacon? I sizzling think. bacon. Yeah. yeah, when you're on the floor and just like sizzling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so when you um, when you started CrossFit, that what year was that? That was uh, 2012. Yeah, I think right. so. Yeah, yeah. Um, were you at that point working for Farah and and riding your bike and and all that? Yeah. So um, I actually came on staff at Farah in. Um, like October of 2009 mm-hmm. and I worked for a year <clears throat> out of my home in Sacramento um, okay. and then it got to the point where I was like alright this isn't as efficient as it could be and I moved out of here um, gotcha so I was working for Vera for a couple of years at that point 
Gotcha. So you had moved out here because then you wanted to be closer to headquarters. Yeah, exactly. Headquarters, yeah, there's eight people now. So Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Big HQ. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So have you know, obviously you're traveling a lot, right? You're you're on the road what every every week? Is it every week or I travel about a hundred days a year. Okay. And sometimes it's like like sometimes I'll go through like this year I had one month where I didn't leave home at all, which mm-hmm. is awesome. And then like during September this year. Gotcha. I was home only like three days during the month. So wow. it kinda goes in spurts. Um you know, I I actually try to like if I'm if I'm going somewhere, I'll try and couple it with like a a trip here and there. Mm-hmm. Um because I want to get it out of the way so I can get home and right. and recharge and whatever. So Yeah. Um because you said recharge, this made me think are, are you do you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert? <laughs> extrovert 100%. 100% yeah. 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 In, especially in your type of role, I would have to imagine you're an extrovert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just the way I'm built. Um in I think part of, I think, you know, we're all different and mm-hmm. it's like that realization, um, you know, as I've gotten older, because when I was younger, I had no, no tolerance for anyone that was, didn't think the way I did, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, you know, it's our responsibility to get along with everyone who, you know, introvert, whether introvert, extrovert, whatever it right. is, you know? Yep. Uh, so you, you did this uh, bike ride across the country. Um, talk about that. Like, how did, how did that come about? Was, uh, where did the idea come from? Were you already like physically prepared to do that? Um, so I um, started riding a trike in 2007, and I did a f- my a cross country ride in 2007 with my dad, and we did we rode the whole way together. It took us two months. Um, we actually didn't ride all the way across country. It was from San Diego to Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. I would say so, that's pretty much across. Country. <laughs> So, yeah, 2,500 miles. Um, So, you know, I just love being on my trike. Like, I think probably the greatest feeling to me is powering myself. Like, realizing that the reason I'm going 20 miles per hour right now is because I want to. Um... And so eventually that, uh, you know, I just always wanted more and more of that. And that's what drove me across country. And so then uh, in 2010, you know, we did a few few long distance bike rides. We started building this series of bike rides across the country, single day rides that anyone could get involved in. And then uh, in 2010... Uh, I got a team together that to do the race across America, mm-hmm. which is a 3,000 mile race from Oceanside, California to Annapolis, Maryland. Mm-hmm. 
in, and a team has to finish in less than nine days. So we had to ride 24 hours a day at an average speed of about 14 miles per hour. Um, An average speed. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, honestly, sometimes we're going four miles an hour up at, you know, to Rockies, and sometimes we're going like, you know, 40 downhill, but yeah. Right. And then, you know, 16, 17 miles per hour through Kansas and the flats and over the Mississippi River through Indiana, all of that. So, yeah, it was it was quite an adventure. Um, I don't know. I've, I've, sometimes I see my condition, my disease, my situation, my circumstances as a reason to do something crazy like an excuse like i i hate it well i can understand it but i think it's tough to see somebody that uses fa or any disease or circumstance as an excuse to feel sorry for themselves or to like you said like like, it's totally justified to, like, lock yourself in your room and never talk to anyone again. Like, right. that that's, to, like, um, it's not out of the question in a situation like this, but I would much rather use it as an excuse to, like, do something a little crazy that you wouldn't do otherwise, and that's, like, going to be, uh, you know, helpful for a lot of people. Um I mean, and I had the opportunity to learn over, you know, three or four years that my role, like, riding bikes isn't just about me. You know, obviously, Mm -hmm. that's where it started. Like I said, like, I just love the feeling of powering myself. But Mm -hmm. over time, I realized that it provides hope and positivity for lots of other people especially in the FA community um but hopefully a little bit beyond that and so uh so you know I take that responsibility very seriously maybe sometimes too seriously I take myself a little seriously sometimes which is probably not healthy but um (laughs) you know at least recognizing that is good but anyway I don't even know where I was going with this yeah I don't know either (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think well, we we were talking about the bike ride. It, it gave you an excuse to do something crazy. What, what oh would, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Like, but people using it as not not using it as an excuse to feel sorry for them for themselves, but using it as an excuse to do something great with their lives. You know, which I think again, like disability or not, I guess my question is. Why do you need that excuse? Why do you, why do you need a disability to do something? That's a good point. It, it not and not crazy like in a dangerous sense, but like right. to push your limits. Right, right. Like you always hear these stories where people have a uh, uh, a life th- uh, threatening event, or like you know they they. A close encounter with with death or something like that, right? And then they decide to like change their lives, right? 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 Uh, do do something good for once in a life, uh, you know? They go through some traumatic event and then all of a sudden they're volunteering at places or like, 
you know, raising money for this cause or like whatever, whatever the case may be. Right, right. right. But the question is, you know, why does that have to even happen? Right? That's a good question. Like, why can't people who, you know, who ha haven't even gone through that realize that, hey, maybe it's a, this is a good thing to, yeah. you know, do things for other people. And um, I think it's because we're, we're weak. And and I'm weak. I know I I'm pretty confident that if I didn't have the FA, mm -hmm. like it, I would be my the focus of my life would be a lot different. Mm. And I guess partly that's fairly obvious, but um, partly like I feel like unfortunately I feel like I would be just in that nine to five cubicle job trying to make a buck mm -hmm. and you know have a nice house and whatever you know and um so maybe it's a conscious decision to find the so-called adversity in our lives and do something positive because of that i mean like i was yeah. saying earlier like everyone's got something tough in their lives Mm -hmm. And maybe use that as a pivot point to like shift and and do right. something positive. I guess I don't know, but and it doesn't even have to be. So one of the so I, yeah, <clears throat> like how you feel about um, the folks who might like just feel bad for themselves or kind of you know close themselves off from mm -hmm. everything. <clears throat> Whenever I hear people be like you know because we'll you know I'll talk about like either um, places that we've traveled to or you know, other stuff like bucket list items, right? Like, I always had wanted to go skydiving, so I went skydiving, right? Uh, or travel to wherever. And then you hear people who are like, oh, I've always wanted to do that. Like, I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to do that. Right, so it doesn't have to be, you know, altruistic uh, for everything. But even, even from, like, let's say a travel standpoint, like, so many people would say, oh, I would love to travel there. Okay. Mm, yeah. Go do it. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's holding you back? Right. Ah, oh, well, money, this, or, like, time, this. I don't have the time. Like, what, I mean, if you really, if you really wanted to do it, like, if you really yeah. wanted to, yeah. you would make it work. Totally. I, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, with any of these bike rides, it was like, you know, these, this is the only thing on my mind for, like, years, right? Mm-hmm. You know, right. and, and like, yeah, like if there's a big trip or uh, whatever that you want to do, you want to lose weight, you you know, if that's the only thing on your mind, you're going to figure out a way to do it, Right. I guess. Right. Um, to me, yeah, to me, it's like the actions speak louder than, than the words do, right? Um, yeah. And, uh, or people would be like, well, I'll wait till I retire. Yeah, yeah. Like, well... <laughs> I don't think you're going to be able to carry those bags as easily when you're retired <laughs> as, when, as yeah. now, like when you're, you know, stronger and younger. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, my friend was here from France. He stayed for a couple of days. He has, he has the FA also, but he was talking about, yeah, I took a year off and I, you know, went to New Zealand and lived there. And he was talking about, you know, he went to India and did some, like, uh, like, whatever, 
this yoga training. I was like, oh, cool. How long were you there? He's like, oh, there a month. I was like, what? <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I, I, like, what is, like, that sounds super awesome. It's, you know, it's not the thing I'm going to be thinking about. Right. For, but if it is, like, go do it. Right. Like you said. Um, so, but I, th- so I think the thing that I struggle with, especially right now, having, you know, all these, things under my belt is figuring out what's next and yeah so that's my next question what do you do you have an idea of what's next i um i mean you know obviously the cure for fa is the thing right but that's like a right. big thing like how do you break that down right and so um you know we have we have an as an organization we have an amazing board of directors and an executive director that really break that down into, all right, what do we do right now, tomorrow, or whatever, mm-hmm. to to make this happen? So, you know, so I'm pretty confident in that. But as far as me personally, like, I think that's one of the hardest things is to figure out what you want to do. Because all of us know that once you figure that out, if you have something to focus on, then, like, it's... You can get it done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't have <laughs> anything out there, so you know, I'm constantly um, trying to fill my plate with the next challenge. Um, so we did a ride in France this year, a 450 mile <laughs> ride mm-hmm. in eight days. Um, I rode my trek to the top of the highest paved road in North America nice. a couple of years ago. Um, you know, race across America. Um, so, you know, I'm, oh, well, so I guess the next big thing is I'm almost finished with a book right now. Nice. So, um, you know, that is probably my next big thing. I think, um, something, something to look forward to, you know, on our podcast, we're always trying to, to get more into that and stuff too. So. Yeah. So what's the timeline on that? On the, on the book, book. yeah. Um, well, if anyone's out there, and if you are a literary agent, <laughs> uh, I, I, I'd love. We to, only uh, have literary agents listen to this, so <laughs> you're in good hands. Yeah. I'd love to send you my proposal. Um, I mean, it'll happen next year. Would you do self-publishing? Because Amazon, I think, has. I I would, but I I want to. I really do think it's a unique book that, um, you know, because it's about like it's structured around my ride in two thousand seven across country. Gotcha. But it really goes into a lot of um, interactions with like patients and scientists, and you know the the big character transformation that I kind of talked about a little bit earlier in this conversation, but is my, my wanting to do this for myself. And then by the end, like realizing that it's a part of something much bigger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so gotcha. that's kind of a neat character transformation in all kinds of just crazy stories that happen in the ride and stuff. So gotcha. I think it's a unique book that really focuses on rare disease and I think there's not a huge market for like rare disease books yet. Um, 
and so well, otherwise it wouldn't be rare. Yeah, exactly. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So, but so check this out though. Uh, FA is a rare disease, and there's about five thousand people in the U.S. that have it. But okay. if you consider rare disease as one group, mm-hmm. there's seven thousand different rare diseases. Okay. Twenty-five million people in the U.S. have a rare disease. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So. So in that respect, it's yeah. actually not very rare at all. You know. And and I see what you're saying. So the the category of rare disease, even if you take it as the the bigger picture of the 25 million people, there's not a lot of uh, uh, material right. out there. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. So. What What's the defi- How do What's the definition of a rare disease? Is so the NIH defines, or maybe it's the FDA, I forget. Anyway, they define a rare disease as a disease with a population of less than 200,000 in the U.S. Oh, so you're well below that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So FA, and like, but, you know, in some respects, I feel very fortunate. We do have a pretty robust and active community. I mean, there's some people that have a rare disease with, like, five people in the world wow. that have that disease, you yeah. know. And yeah. so, um, so in with that in mind, you know, a lot of our focus is to support <coughs> the rare disease community because we're all in the same boat, you know. Yeah, got so. it. What's something that um, people don't really know about you? That people don't really know. Yeah, well, well look, like you're in the public a lot, right? You, right? you talk a lot, you give a lot of speeches. Uh, like you're a pretty public figure in terms of, uh, like you're not in an engineering firm at a desk, like just keeping doing yeah, something, yeah. right? Like you're out, you're out there. So, you know, uh, if someone knew you relatively well, um, you know, I'm not saying like your mom, like what would be something that, they don't know. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. All right, you first. Let me, give me give me a couple more minutes to think. What's something that people don't know about you? Uh, the tides have turned. Um, well, I was adopted, so that's one thing. Um, so I get a lot of uh, little old Asian ladies coming up to me and talking Korean to me, and I have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> So, I went to high school in New York City, and there would be plenty of um, these little old Asian people walking up to me and speaking. I, I'm assuming it was Korean. Um, I would assume that they, they would guess what I was, but um, I would be like, I can't help you out. I have no idea what you're saying. Um, I can't give you directions. So, I don't know where the bathroom is. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, so I guess another fun fact is that I don't speak Korean. So. All right, there we go. Nice. Um, let's see. So, I don't know, I guess, like, the cue of language, you know, I've been to France a couple times this year. I took four years of French in high school. Yeah. But, like, did I come, could... Did it come rushing back to you when you Like, were there was, like, four phrases that came back, yeah. and I was getting all <laughs> stoked for, like, two days, and then, and then got into it a little more. I was like, I don't know anything. <laughs> I heard that the new uh, Google... Uh, earbuds can translate in real time. Oh my god! Yeah, so I don't know. I think they're wireless, like completely wireless. Um, but I saw an ad or, or something. I think someone actually posted um, like the fact that it will translate other languages 
Wow, that's cool. Uh, in real if, time. If there was only something that would translate your speech as it goes out, you know. Well, I guess you could. Well, well, if they have, I mean, if let's say everyone has these, right? Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that would the, solve it. Yeah. Pretty. I mean, it's gonna be crazy when you think about it, right? Like to be able to communicate with anybody at any point fluently. That 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 changes the game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So and that technology is like on our doorstep. So what you could do is, you know, you could wear those earbuds and have a spare pair in your pocket, like, at all times, and be like, here, put these on, and we can talk. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Well, I know people that will, um, like, have their phone out and do, like, Google Translate. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit slower, because you got to, like, but, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy. There we are. And then you'll be able to speak Korean, then. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Um, what's on your bucket list? My bucket list, um, you know, cure, cure FA. Sure. That's the, that's the focus. That's a big kahuna. Yeah. I like that. So. Cool, man. Any, uh, any takeaways that you want people to, to come away with besides, uh, you know, not taking yourself too seriously? And Well, so we're at a CrossFit gym and, um, you know, CrossFit has a really, uh, shown me a lot about myself. Um, you know, you were there when I was first getting into CrossFit, and I'd yeah. come to the gym, mm-hmm. and I'd look on the board and be like, "There's no way I could do this watt." And then all of a sudden, we'd like figure out a way to do it, right? Like me and you, or whoever, all we the just, other coaches. We just made it work. Just made it work. And every night, I would leave the gym, and be like, "Holy cow! I did something that I didn't think I was going to be able to do." Um. And I think that's, you know, that's my takeaway from CrossFit and, you know, something that I really, really cherish. Um, it's, you get, you get, go to CrossFit and you get to do magic. Like, you get to do something that you didn't think was possible, you know? So, that's... Yeah, that's cool. I mean, we get so many people, I mean, because we're in an area where it's like, you know, everyday people with, with you know, nine to five jobs and families and yada 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 so we're not we're not we're not we don't have like you know elite collegiate athletes here who right you know already know how to do a bunch of these movements like, yeah so many people come in with this fear of um oh i can't do that or, yeah or i'm gonna be last or you know i'm gonna yeah. be the worst right and i'm like what does the worst mean you know like, yeah so um so well, to hear that is yeah well and that's the thing about crossfit too like at every single, I've I've gone to quite a few boxes like that. Um, when I travel, sometimes I'll drop in. In every box I've ever been to, everyone's been in really positive, and everyone's working to their own maxima. There is no like, there's no that's not even a thing in CrossFit. Like comparing yourself, to, sure, yeah, there's numbers on the board, but when it root when you get into it, it's like you're you're going against yourself, and everyone is counting on you to work to your own max, and right. that's what pushes them to work to theirs, you know. Well, and also to kind of circle back to what we we're talking about <clears throat> in terms of like attitude and like you know you get fa or you get some some rare disease or whatever the case may be something happens to you and there's you know you have you make a decision you either can feel sorry for yourself and mope and and you know take the negative route or you can see it as a positive thing 
and or make the best out of it, right? Make lemonade out of lemons, right? Mm -hmm. So, same thing with workouts. Like, yeah, two different people can do the same workout, and you know, finish around the same time or whatever the case may be. But one sees it as a, as a positive experience, a growing experience, and another sees it as yeah. you know, a negative. So, it's just dude, we're getting like super philosophical here. <laughs> I know. Yeah, my mind is this is blue. This is like your now. second book in, in, in podcast form. <laughs> this is gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to co-write a yeah. book. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, again, not a quote that we came up with, but life is ten percent of what happens to you and ninety percent how you react. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, life's about how you react. Yeah. Yeah. Were you pawning that off as your own? quote before too dude i think <laughs> there's there's no there's no quote that's never been said before it's true so so i think an original quote is just an iteration of, of you know the next... quote. <laughs> so. i couldn't tell if you were joking or not with the maya angelou thing <laughs> after a second i was like oh he really doesn't know that this is like a, a... i i i feel like i've searched for it before and because i searched specific words okay and those weren't the exact words right. you know so yeah. anyway sure yeah we'll take we'll take that <laughs> <laughs> all right bud thanks for your time man yeah definitely awesome. it was fun yeah. thank you hey folks thanks again for listening to cross Econa radio If you like what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review, which helps us get found on the interwebs. Also, head over to social media. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossFitKana, K-A-N-N-A. And if you have any questions for the podcast, email us at info at CrossFitKana.com. Thanks, and have a great day.